Episode 10 is about Ashley Becker, the founder of a handmade jewelry company and nonprofit called Sela Designs. Ashley donates 100% of Sela Designs profits to charity. Welcome to We Built This Life. This is the podcast that tells stories about entrepreneurs, freelancers, and other business owners who have built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into careers that help them make the impact that they want to make on this world. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and I love to hear stories about people who have built careers that are meaningful to them. So on this podcast, you'll hear from people who have done just that. They're going to talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Hi, welcome to episode 10 of We Built This Life. This is a personal milestone for me. I started this podcast a year ago now, and my goal has always been 10 episodes. And I know that may seem small, but the whole time I've been thinking, get to 10 episodes, get to 10 episodes. That's just what I've been working toward. And here it is, and I think it is fitting that today I'll be telling a story about Ashley Becker, who is the owner of a handmade jewelry company and nonprofit called Sela Designs. Ashley gives 100% of her profits to support various organizations or to fund specific projects, which is really amazing and which I'll tell you more about. But the reason I say that it's fitting that Ashley is on for episode 10 is because she talks a little bit about how, as a parent to four kids who are between the ages of almost 11 and three, she has had to sometimes work in these little spots of time that were available to her and how this has led her business to grow more slowly than she expected and how she has dealt with that. And as someone who has taken a year to release 10 podcast episodes, I identify with this. I think a lot of people listening who are in the building phase of their businesses might identify with this as well. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Sela Designs, kind of the jewelry piece of the company, and give you an idea of what kind of products Ashley makes. So I have two pairs of Ashley's earrings. The one style is called the Lara or the Lara earrings. It's L-A-R-A. They have a circle of leather with a brass diamond that kind of hangs down from there. And the circle of leather comes in different colors. I have the white birch color, which is sold out, but there are a lot of other colors available. And then I also have her Claire earrings. They're circle earrings and they dangle or come off of the ear. Half of the circle is a textured brass, which looks really cool. And the other half is leather. So I have the leather in the midnight color. Again, the leather comes in a lot of different colors. Leather and brass are found in a lot of Ashley's jewelry, and so is tagua, which is a nut that is harvested in the Amazon. And Ashley will talk a little bit more about tagua, this material, and how she sources her other materials during this episode. Today, Ashley, who has a business and corporate America background, will also talk about her interest in jewelry design and how that developed, why she chose the giving model that she has chosen, giving 100% of her profits to charity. She calls this radical generosity. And she talks about why this is the right fit for her and some of the organizations and projects that she's been able to support through the sale of her jewelry. And then she also talks again about how she's built a business being a stay-at-home parent to four kids. And then on the business entrepreneur side of things, in addition to what I already mentioned about the slow growth of her business and how she's dealt with that, she talks about the value in hiring consultants when you're starting a business, the value of persistence and patience, and how to build a business that has a focus on giving back in some way. All right, let's get into Ashley's story. 
Ashley Becker was not very artsy as a kid. She really did not enjoy art class growing up. She doesn't like drawing or painting or art pursuits like that. She graduated from college with a degree of business management and she did spend a couple of years in the corporate world, but then she happened to turn to jewelry making after she had her first baby. I worked in corporate. I did everything from helping the vice president in marketing to flying around in a corporate jet and doing recruiting and building out an entire new sales team. So I went all over the map in just a few years. And then I had first baby and decided I was going to stay home. And I was really bored. I had dabbled a little here and there at making earrings, and I would do that just kind of warm dress relief. One time I walked into a local bead shop, and I just couldn't get enough. I would design earrings, and they would actually make them there for me. And then one day, the worker said to me, you know, we don't do this for everyone. You need to make these yourself. And I looked at her like, what are you, crazy? I don't know how to And she was like, come on, I'll show you, you know, and she handed me a pair of pliers and taught me some very basic things. So I just was intrigued by it. And of course, I had been invited to some house parties of people selling jewelry here and there. And I, one day I said to my mom, you know what, I could make this stuff. And she was like, okay, go for it. I'll wear it. It just was a kind of a funny thing that I always liked jewelry growing up and I always was into jewelry, but I never expected that this is where I would land. Yeah. How how cool that that person in the jewelry store kind of took you aside and showed you a few things to kind of get you started. Yeah, absolutely. It was so kind. And also to say like, I'm not going to keep doing this for you. You have to do it for yourself. Yeah. Like empowering you a little bit, right? Like a little tough love. Yes, absolutely. So Ashley's oldest son, who is almost 11, he was born in 2009. And it was a couple of years after that that she really began thinking about turning her interest in making handmade jewelry, this activity or outlet that she really did to relieve stress and boredom. She started thinking about turning that into a business. So this idea began to take shape when her husband was going on a mission trip and they were down to one income because Ashley was home with their son and they needed funds for the trip. And Ashley was thinking about how she could raise the money. I said, well, there's a craft show coming up. I think I'll make some jewelry and see what happens. That's how I started selling. And it was a very, very slow process for me. It wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to start a business. But that was the very beginning and the roots of how Sela Designs started. And then one time I was in another beach shop and someone said to me, you really need to be on Etsy. I can tell by what you're picking out and how you're choosing your beads that you need to be on Etsy. So I did start there, but there was a huge learning curve for me with learning how to photograph pieces. And that was quite a process. I learned that for me, I sold so much better when I could talk to people, when I could feel my audience, when I could interact with people. So I did really well doing art shows in all different communities. Even at Christmas time, high schools would have events for Christmas. And that was really how I initially started to see, is there an audience for this? Is there a market for this? Do people like what I create? 
And that was what gave me the courage to say, okay, now I'm really going to make a go of this. And then I started my own separate website, saladesigns.com, completely off of Etsy. But yeah, I stuck with Etsy for quite a while. Ashley sells a variety of jewelry through her business. I mentioned the two pairs of earrings that I have, but she has a lot of styles of earrings and necklaces and many sizes and colors to choose from. Many of her pieces are made with tagua nuts. The tagua that Ashley uses is harvested in Ecuador, and then she also incorporates a lot of leather. Using these materials can create some challenges, particularly with the tagua, because what she orders isn't necessarily what she ends up getting, especially when it comes to color. So that can create some inconsistencies, but Ashley takes this in stride and she creates her jewelry based on what she has. So a lot of what I use is called tagua nuts. It's the fruit of a palm tree that's harvested, sliced, dyed, and dried there by local artisans. And then when I get it, I design a lot of different pieces with it and drill all of the holes and do all of the assembly. But it's like you literally never know if they got a new dye lot or if somebody just you decided to put a little extra in that time or what. It's very inconsistent. One of the things I love about Tagua, though, not only is it a natural material that's sustainable and good for the environment for it to be harvested and collected, but the slices are all different shapes and sizes. So if you get a Tagua necklace, it's literally a work of art. Like every piece is unique. Every piece is different. Even if we have three of the same necklace listed, each one is unique. So that's so, so cool. But it also can be quite frustrating when you're expecting yellow and you get orange, you know, and then you say, hey, I ordered yellow. And they're like, that is yellow. Okay, well then. Okay, I guess we're coming up with something new today. So Tagua was actually um, becoming kind of the core of my business. And I don't mind evolving and changing with trends, with whatever is happening in the industry. So like 90% of my work was Tagua nuts. And I started incorporating leather. And the beauty of leather is it's so lightweight. So I started working with leather with scraps, actually from Better Life Bags. And then leather really started taking off. Obviously, it's a huge trend right now. And so I just have gotten more and more into it. But still, Tagua is incorporated all over the place. So I love both materials and things evolve and change. And I don't know what could happen next, but I'm totally open to it. Ashley's workshop, where she makes all of her jewelry, is in the basement of her home, and she shared a photo of that space recently on Instagram. And in that photo, there is a large folding table in the center of the room, and it had a few pencils on it, there was a pair of orange scissors, and then there were piles of what looked like pieces of leather that had been cut into various shapes to be made into earrings. So there were arches and circles and hexagons. There were lots of colors, mustard yellow, gray, navy, olive, red. And then against the wall, there was kind of another table with some chairs. And this looks like it could be for workstations. Ashley has three other women who work with her, some of whom are volunteers. They haven't been able to come over during the stay-at-home orders that the various states have in place. Ashley is in Wisconsin. But this looks like where they would sit maybe if they came. 
This workshop is where Ashley's ideas come to life, and this is a very good thing, I think. Ashley says she is never short of ideas. I find ideas everywhere. Last fall, one of my favorite ideas was a light fixture that I had seen a picture of when I was looking for something for my home. It was simply a Pinterest picture, and I just saw it and thought, oh man, that would be such a cool earring. And I tinkered around until I figured out how to make it. And it led to a pair of earrings. They're actually not even in the shop anymore. It was a uh, limited edition earrings that I did last fall and during the holiday season. But literally any shape, anything I see, I sometimes have ideas late at night. And first thing in the morning, I have to figure it out. That was how a recent pair of earrings came out, the Daisy earrings. One of my favorite designs to date. I am never short of ideas. When you start looking for them, then I always, when a whole bunch come to me and I can't keep it all straight in my mind, I have a notebook. I will sketch out a design of a necklace or a pair of earrings that I'm really excited about. So this is the first part of Ashley's business, the jewelry, the actual product that she sells. But then Sayla Designs is also a nonprofit. Ashley gives 100% of our company's profits to various organizations or to fund specific projects. This is a giving model that she calls radical generosity. The radical generosity is the most important thing to me in this business. I love creating. I love the outlet. But the generosity is everything to me. When I started Sela Designs, it was so that we could care for orphans in a children's home in Ethiopia. I had met the founders and I wanted to do something. Early on, my message had always been use whatever is in your hands to do. Like everybody has something. And I think very much that everybody wants to find a way to give back. We want to change the world. We want to leave it better than we found it. So from the beginning, we've donated all the profit to charity. That has never changed. Even as we've grown, even as more money has come in, we still give all the profit away. The beauty of being the founder is that I love choosing the missions. That obviously is like something I'm very passionate about. And these are projects that I used to dream of funding and think like, how am I going to come up with an extra $6,800 to fund this mission? And now it's taking us a few months and those missions are being funded. We have been able to purchase a small vehicle for a children's home in Ethiopia. We already did fully fund a rescue mission. We funded a well project in Malawi, which was a $10,000 project. So that was just like so amazing. And we will have feedback and coordinates and we'll be able to see exactly where our well is and every person who made a purchase during the holiday season will be able to see where their dollars went. It makes me just so happy to talk about it and to realize that these things have happened in the last few years. We also, every single month, we're funding different projects. So we always work with Mercy House Global. They're an incredible organization. They work in the slums in Kenya and they pull out pregnant girls from the slums and give them maternity care and postnatal care. They also are providing jobs 
and bringing not only the pregnant girls, but their moms out of the slump and just totally changing the course of history for these girls. So we support them every month. There's a couple of others. We work with some local charities as well. And then we always, the Children's Home in Ethiopia has my heart. So they, every month we work with them as well. How did you find, for example, that Children's Home in Ethiopia? Is it through like a Google search or through word of mouth or how do you get connected? So that one, I found a friend of mine went and moved her family, five children, to Ethiopia for six months and went to different organizations and saw the work being done there. And she really fell in love with this specific one. And then the founders were in the States and she had them come and I got to meet them and talk with them and see the work that they're doing and hear their hearts. And I too fell in love with the work that they're doing and got on board. And what about the Well Project? How did you get connected to that one? So the Well Project, we worked with Charity Water, but my husband has been following them for years. And so when, you know, I started doing bigger projects, he mentioned it to me a couple times, but I always felt like $10,000, are you crazy? You know, but this last year I said to him, you know what, I think we could do it. And he was like, you should do it. So that's how we learned about Charity Water. Why for you was it the right decision to give all of your profits to different organizations? Did you ever think maybe I'll give 50% or was it, did you always know it was going to be all of it, that you wanted to have that radical generosity model? I have absolutely always known. And for us, we've been able to live on one income and we've been able to make some sacrifices. Will we always be able to do that? We don't know that we will, but we're going to keep doing it as long as we possibly can. And that's always, yes, really important to me. And it even if the time comes that I start taking a salary from Salage Signs, which I never have even taken a salary, you will still continue to give all of the profit away. So what is kind of amazing is that Ashley has built this jewelry business with this radical generosity model while being a stay-at-home mom to four kids. So her kids are almost 11, her oldest. And then her other kids are eight and a half, seven, and three and a half. Ashley has always worked around their schedule and their needs, which has looked different throughout the years. There was a time when the kids were really young and at home and her time was limited. And then they were all in school and she had some free time during the day to work. And then there's now during COVID-19 when all the kids are home again and her husband is working full time and she still has to find time to work on Sala Designs. So all of these seasons of life have impacted her business and when and how often she has been able to work. It's been very different for me because I've been a stay-at-home parent this entire time and there were literally years where I would work a few hours a week. So honestly, this is the first year where all the kids have some form of school. So I've been working a whole lot more and a lot more regularly. When the kids came home from school in March, they didn't quite know how to handle that because they're so used to when they're home, I'm mom. They're not used to me working all day. They know that sometimes I have late nights and stuff like that, but it was a little bit of a transition for everybody in our house. But the way that we've made it work through all these years is finding those little pockets. When my kids napped, I would 
make jewelry. It would take me a week to get photos because I couldn't work at it for three hours. It would be a little bit of time here and a little bit of time there. So I had to be willing to grow slowly, which was really hard for me in a lot of ways. But little by little, piece by piece, we built something that we're proud of. That's great. Yeah, I can attest to how hard it is to do things with kids at home. I have one fewer child, but my kids are seven, five, and two, and it's tough. Especially now, are your kids doing like the distance learning and everything and trying to balance that? Yeah, so my kids have had all worksheets. They haven't had to do any online work. Yeah, we've had to work in time blocks since COVID-19. I had to totally change my schedule 100% to make it work for our family. After two weeks in, we were like, this is not working. And we had to completely change how we do things. So we found that having blocks of time for different tasks worked well for our family. Before that, you weren't doing the blocks of time. Were you trying to work during the day? Yeah. So before when the whole thing started, it was like, everybody, let's just sleep in, you know, and we were starting the day at 10 o'clock. And then my husband, he has to work full time. So he was going to work from like 10 to six. And I was like, well, wait a minute, I have to work too. I need three or four hours at least. And the kids were just interrupting everyone. (laughs) You know, my husband's doing a lot of video calls and conference calls. And he's like, the kids are coming in and I got to work too. So after about two weeks and just feeling frustrated with everyone and the whole situation, you know, it wasn't the kids fault that they were interrupting. They didn't know what to do with themselves either. So it was kind of a nightmare. And then I realized that if I would just get up super early, that would make our lives a lot easier. So you get most of your work done in the morning before the day starts or before the kids get going? Yeah. And I spend a lot of my time now doing kind of the marketing side of the business and Instagram and blogging and sending emails and all of those kinds of tasks. In addition to since COVID-19, my team hasn't been able to work with me. I do have a team of three different women. Some are volunteers who work and help me alongside, and they usually would come for anywhere from five to 10 hours a week. So that's a lot of hours to make up. So I've been doing all of that since COVID-19. So in the morning, I would do a lot of my work on the computer and then school the kids, do lunch, get them outside and get them doing other things. And then during that time, I would be trying to make the jewelry that needs to get shipped out and shipping all the orders. Do your kids help you with the jewelry at all or boxing things? Yes. So it's the sweetest thing. My eight-year-old son He definitely is the most into it. He has put the labels on all the boxes and, you know, they're a little crooked, but just so thankful because he comes into my work area, which is in our basement, a whole big section of our basement. And he'll say, can I just help you, mom? And he is our residence bracelet maker. He makes a lot of the bracelets that we sell. He strings the beads and then I do all the finishing. Like he just loves to help and he loves to craft. In the years since Ashley has been building Sigla Designs, she really started to focus on the business around 2015. So it's been maybe five years or so. She's been most surprised by the slow growth of the business. 
By sticking with it and taking small steps forward, she has built what she has today, this business that has enabled her to build a well in Malawi and to buy a vehicle for a children's home in Ethiopia and to give every month to local organizations that are doing work that she feels passionate about. All of these giving projects that are really important to her. But Ashley has had to be persistent and patient and to work with the hours that have been available to her, to be open to learning new things like photography to advance her business, and to hire people to help in areas that she felt she needed it. I think it has taken a lot longer to build than I thought it would initially. I thought that it's just going to take off really quickly and this is all just going to work. And next thing I know, it's going to be huge, but it hasn't looked like that for me. It has looked like a lot of persistence and diligence and just being faithful in the half hour time frame that I had or two hours. And I realized things that I didn't see in the very beginning as far as the business side of things. I wish I was a better photographer when I started out. As I said, that was one of the biggest learning curves for me. I do wish I had, in the beginning, just hired a photographer. In the last two years, I started doing professional photo shoots and even just with friends who are photographers. And that has really elevated the brand a ton. I can't even imagine going back to not having that. I actually take 90% of the product photos at this point, but just being willing to hire for your weaknesses and not think that you have to learn it all and do it all, I think can go a long way. I recently heard a business coach say something like you hire the best quality consultants that you can afford until you can afford to hire employees. And I think that has been some really wise advice for me to fill in some gaps of areas that I don't really enjoy or things that I'm just not good at. Some of the challenges that I faced are feeling like, how am I going to do all of this myself? Whereas bringing in consultants when you can afford it. So I had a marketing consultant help with some branding stuff. She's really good at bringing me in because I'm always bigger is better, more is better. That has really helped. Also joining on mastermind kind of groups and attending some smaller conferences with just a select group of women has really helped to grow relationships in this field that I'm in because otherwise it can get very lonely and feeling like you're the only one. So that has been a challenge for me. I think there's been also learning curves, but there's so many tools now so readily available. It's a matter of taking the time to learn. I think we can always, always, always be learning. There's always something new as far as social media goes or websites and design and development. And there's always something. And there's always things that you feel like, am I doing enough? Am I getting all the things that I need to do, but to just really make a list of your priorities and kind of say like, this is what I'm focusing on. This is what I'm doing. And I'm going to shut out all the rest of the noise has really helped me in feeling like not just constantly overwhelmed. I love it though. I'm thrilled how far it's come and what we've been able to do. And I can see now the steps in how you just I mean, to take from Frozen, which I watched a thousand times, but do the next right thing, right? So you just take the next step 
and you don't know to do better until you know it. And then once you do know, then you move forward in that. And I think that's the same way that a business is built. So it's been a slow process, but it's been good, solid foundation. So there's actually a little bit more of a tie-in between the jewelry portion of Sela Designs and the company's radical generosity model. Women who buy the jewelry can use that jewelry as a conversation starter to talk about some of the issues and projects that Sela Designs supports. Ashley shared an example of this. She has specifically been able to do this through a partnership with If Gathering. The IF organization is a religious-focused organization, and they put on this event that happens every year all over the world, and Ashley has been able to partner with them on this and to go to the event and to talk to some of the women in attendance. At one event, every woman who attended was given a piece of jewelry, and Ashley was there to talk to them, and this led to one of her proudest moments as the founder of Sela Designs. I think that I'm obviously most proud of the giving, but also being able to give women tools and put things in women's hands that make an impact and open the door to start conversations. I've been able to do some big projects with local IF gatherings. It's a gathering of women that happens every year all over the world. We partnered and every woman who attended the conference got a bracelet and then we educated them about sex trafficking that's happening. And then the profit from those bracelets went to an organization that is very actively working to end sex trafficking in our state. We've done a lot of work because of that to stop sex trafficking in our local communities. And I've been able to speak to the women and I've been able to interact with them and to tell them, listen, you can change the world right where you're at. And if you don't know where to start and you don't know what to do, I would say to them, listen to me, wear the bracelet. And every time someone says, hey, cute bracelet, start the conversation. Talk to them about why you wear the bracelet, that it's not just a bracelet, that there are women who are being abused and taken advantage of all over in our communities and that this bracelet was helping to stop that. So being able to equip women and say like, here, here's a tool, here's something in your hand that is such an easy conversation starter has been really rewarding and fulfilling for me. That is enough motivation to know that a life is being saved and transformed just because of jewelry. Like it's such a simple thing, but it's doing something so powerful. And I will work all day long for that. Any other advice for business owners or entrepreneurs in regards to starting a business in general, or even starting a business that has some kind of giving back model? Don't be afraid to start small and to not underestimate it. I think that baby steps still get you there. So don't be afraid if it looks different than what you expected. Just take it in stride and don't give up. I love that advice about not being afraid to start small. I think even as an individual giving, sometimes you think, oh, if I can't give a lot, you know, it won't make a difference. I'm not going to do it. But if everybody gave back a little bit, then obviously it adds up. Absolutely. And that's the thing that's made Sela Designs work. I can make jewelry all day long, but if somebody doesn't buy it, then it's not going to work. So we all have to do our part and everybody works together. 
I really want to thank Ashley Becker from Sela Designs for coming on the show and taking the time to talk with me for this episode. I will link her company's website and her Instagram account in the show notes, and of course you can search for her too. One thing that Sela Designs does every month is release a piece of the month. So it's a piece of jewelry that is offered at a discount and it changes every month. June is coming up perhaps very close to when this episode is released. So that's something that you can be on the lookout for if you're interested in supporting a really great company. Ashley has also partnered before with Fair Indigo, which is an ethical clothing company based in Wisconsin. And some of her pieces are available on their site. So I'll link that for you too. Here are my key takeaways for entrepreneurs and people who work for themselves from this episode. First, work with whatever time is available to you, especially in sort of the early stages of building a business. So Ashley worked with the time she had when her kids were young, and she said it would take her a few weeks to get photographs sometimes that she needed to promote her product. But even though the slower pace of growth didn't fit with her personality, she kept going, she kept moving forward. Second, the advice that Ashley heard from a business mentor to hire the best consultants you can find who can do what you don't do as well, maybe, until you can hire employees. So basically, get some help if you can. It's great to learn new things and expand your skills, but it's also hard to do everything yourself, and it can slow down your your progress and your growth. So Ashley says she wished she had hired a photographer in the beginning, and she did hire a marketing consultant to help with her branding and to help focus some of her ideas, and she said that that was helpful. Finally, as entrepreneurs, business owners, people who work for ourselves, we get to design a business model that fits with our personality, our passions, and our goals. I feel like I've said this on other episodes time and again. There's Ashley Shelley in episode four who designed a planner company that allows her to spend a lot of time at home working by herself, which fits her introverted nature. And then there's Emily Silverstein from episode five who created a skincare business that has a focus on sustainability and the environment, things that are really important to her and that she's passionate about. And then now there's Ashley Becker. Her business model is to give 100% of her profits to charity. And she's able to do that because it's her business. She's able to make it work financially. And that's what makes her feel the most proud and fulfilled about her work. So you get to choose your business model based on what feels right to you, which is great. Thank you for listening today to episode 10 of We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show or if you have constructive feedback, I would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also come say hi on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. Have an amazing day and I'll see you soon.